This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know from CQ Roll Call's reporters in Washington. I'm Sean Zeller. Today is Wednesday, June 24th. In the South and West, virus infections are growing rapidly, outstripping increased testing and raising concerns that deaths, which have been declining since April, will start to rise again. Florida and Texas reported more than 5,000 new cases today, record levels, while Arizona also set a new mark with more than 3,500. Rather than reimpose strict lockdowns, governors are hoping that if more people wear masks when they are in public places, it will slow the virus's spread. But many people aren't complying. CQ Roll Call's Emily Kopp will have a report in a moment on the mass debate and how it's fallen to local authorities. She will also talk about a Senate hearing today on the strategic national stockpile of medicine and medical equipment and its management during the pandemic. But first, a report on how to ensure Americans can vote during this election year amidst a pandemic. Former Homeland Security Secretary and Pennsylvania Governor Tom Ridge has joined the group Vote Safe to advocate for allowing Americans to vote by mail. Ridge says, Both parties have a responsibility to try to maximize participation in the process. That's important, coming from a Republican like Ridge, considering that President Trump has argued more voting by mail raises the prospect of voter fraud. Ridge spoke to our politics reporter, Bridget Bowman. Looking sort of at the election more broadly, I was curious how confident you are that election administrators will be able to effectively secure the vote. They not only, like, even before the pandemic, having to deal with foreign interference and trying to secure their election systems, against a foreign attack, um, but now also are seeing a surge in mail-in ballots and kind of ramping up systems to make sure those those systems are secure. How confident are you that state officials can effectively make sure the election is secure so that there isn't doubt about the results, just given everything that they have to, to deal with over the next couple months? between 8 or 10,000 people involved in local elections in the electoral process and I'm I'm confident that they take great pride in doing everything they can to make sure that the election is conducted properly with proper oversight and integrity that legitimizes the process number one there are a couple of things that I think the next intervening months that could be done. One, I would hope the president would abandon these public assaults on absentee balloting because in and of itself it kind of sows seeds of doubt or illegitimacy in terms of the potential outcome, which I still find ironic because he's five months away, he's holding most of the cards, and he's in a better position to use absentee ballots if he chose to do so. So I, I, I don't know why he's worried about the outcome 
when he's in control of his own fate, but so be it. He can explain that. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, regardless of your party affiliation, given COVID-19, we want to make absentee voting accessible during this pandemic because we don't want you as an American citizen, Republican or Democrat, to choose between standing in line with a face mask, particularly when there may be a resurgence of the pandemic, or voting. We want you to vote. So the states need to develop systems to make both in-person voting and absentee voting accessible, safe, and secure, particularly with COVID-19. One of the unintended but potential positive consequences of this effort to increase voting through absentee is that maybe we can dramatically increase and improve the mindset of the American citizens that voting is important. I'd love to see 80 or 90 percent of people voting in our elections all the time, but particularly in national elections. So maybe we get the drill down, get the routine in, we can see even greater voter participation. And from a philosophical point of view, just as a, as a small D Democrat, I live in a Democrat society, I want my fellow citizens to exercise their responsibility. Mm-hmm. So maybe after COVID-19 and after we improve the process for absentee ballots, maybe we'll see even higher levels of participation in this continuing experiment of self-government. It would be music to my ears and good for democracy. A healthier democracy requires even greater participation. That's my point of view, and maybe that will be the outcome. We'll see. How confident are you that voters won't have to make that choice in November between their health and voting? Uh, That's uh, beyond my uh, pay grade. Uh, The epidemiologist say there could be a resurgence, God forbid, is even close to the uh, level of uh, mortality, level of the fatalities that we've endured over the past four months. Uh, it's difficult to uh, predict. Uh, but regardless of whether it, 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 uh, and it probably will, I mean, the, the experts say they would probably see a slight resurgence, uh, but whether it does or not, I think Having safe and secure voting options of both kinds is incumbent upon both parties to promote and protect. Here's Emily Kopp with tonight's health report. The Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs held a hearing today with some former health officials, including the former director of the Strategic National Stockpile, to learn a little bit about what went so wrong in the distribution of supplies like N95s and surgical gowns and things like that, what led states to have to compete against each other in order to obtain these critical supplies as coronavirus cases climbed. And one thing that the former director of the stockpile, uh, Gregory Burrell, said is that the stockpile was envisioned to include highly specialized materials that are not available on the general market But another expert on the panel questioned that a little bit. Rand Corporation senior policy researcher Daniel Gerstein said that a pandemic like COVID-19 was not a black swan event. It was always inevitable. And the stockpile should have been prepared for something like this. But, you know, Republican Chairman Ron Johnson essentially said that 
you know, he echoed President Donald Trump in saying that this should be a state responsibility. And even, you know, the stockpile should be renamed in order to emphasize that this is a coordination responsibility and the stockpile should not be expected to have enough supplies for a, a nationwide pandemic. And we're really seeing the effect of this ongoing shortage of surgical masks in states across the country as, you know, the general populace, non-healthcare providers have shifted to using cloth masks. A lot of people are questioning whether this is necessary despite growing robust scientific evidence suggesting that this is a key tool to mitigate the pandemic before we have a vaccine or a treatment. And this could be due to a number of things, but you know, one thing that a lot of experts point to is that the White House has, you know, in public remarks, contradicted its own scientists downplaying the importance of masks. And the role of the Centers for Disease Control has really been diminished. And that would be the agency that you might expect to have an advertising campaign or do regular press conferences, emphasizing these non-pharmaceutical interventions Um, but they've really been sidelined throughout this pandemic. Finally tonight, New York, once the disease's epicenter in the United States, but where cases are now falling rapidly, is imposing a 14-day quarantine requirement on travelers from states that are not doing as well. It will apply to nine states, averaging 10 infections for every 100,000 residents. Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Utah, Texas, and Washington. From all of us at CQ Roll Call, I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for listening.